game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors C Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildey. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm Chris Allen, the co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast, and we're getting into the next part of our positional series. And tonight we're here with another very special guest we have lined up for you. And when it comes to writing out or producing fantasy content, I can't think of too many other folks that have done it better. And if you were paying attention I want to say around the December, January time frame, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association, their awards came out, and our guest here tonight was actually a recipient of one of the awards. So tonight we have Bob Lung with us, and uh, his consistency metrics and his consistency content that he's put out over the past couple of years, at least that I've been tracking it, has been just one of the top-notch uh, pieces of content that any fantasy owner, fantasy manager, uh, you, got, you just have to have it. Uh, so, Bob, uh, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. And uh, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor to come on any of these shows and just share my uh, ideas and thoughts. Uh, it's funny you say you know, you know, you've known for a few years about the consistency. I actually started writing this stuff and compiling this stuff, came up with this whole idea in uh, 2002. So the overnight success has taken 17 years. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. I had no idea it's been that yeah. long. Wow, that's um, amazing. Yeah, it's just that three years ago is when I started doing my own guide, my own magazine, because I wanted, I wanted the others, the, the people that were putting out their own magazine. And I was writing articles for a lot of them. I'm always in the fantasy football, actual you know, fantasy football guide that Peter Kreutzer and those guys put out, uh, which is always one of the best ones out there as well. And I always ask Peter, Peter, you know, look, I got this idea of creating profiles for consistency information to add to your your profiles in your magazine. And he's like, I love the idea, Bob. But he goes, I have no room for all that. He goes, I could barely squeeze everything I've got in there now. And so really, uh, three years ago, when I kind of figured out that Amazon had this self-publishing capability, I thought, well, let's give it a shot. I'll, get, I'll create my own fantasy football magazine with my own consistency profiles. And, and like you said, and within three years uh, or within two years, I was nominated uh, for the best publication. And then last year, won the best publication. So I, it just blew my wildest dreams right out the window. I, I never would have thought I would even be listed with a guy like Bob Harris and Chris Harris, let alone the next year coming back and, and be nominated and winning uh, again or winning then. Um, 
So yeah, it's everything is just gravy now. I just it's like I don't know what else to, you know. So that's why I started doing this stuff, like doing the expos and the, the King's Classic draft where we bring all the best experts in and because I live in Canton, Ohio and I have this beautiful Pro Football Hall of Fame that I've been begging these people for years, literally years, to go, guys, you're the fantasy football epic spot. Why not do fantasy stuff here and combine it all together? It'll be great. And finally last year I got him yeah, to talk into the, doing the, the, the expert draft and serious radio came in and we were live for seven hours. It was great. Um, but the idea was my dream was to always have this big fantasy football weekend. And mm-hmm. so I decided, well, the next day I'm going to make my own, I'm going to create an expo. I'm going to create a convention. Um, it'll be small and it's going to be, you know, it's not going to you know have Matthew Barry there or, and, you know, people like that. But the idea was, is that, Let's get some of these great minds out here in the fantasy world that aren't being recognized for all the knowledge that they have uh, and bring them all together and show people that it's not just as much as my buddy Brad Evans and Mike Clay and all those guys and Rob Harris. They're all super smart people and I love them to death and I'd love for them to be there. But, you know, it's as I call us the uh, RB2s here of fantasy. Um <laughs> You know, we need to show people that there's some really cool, unique knowledge out there that um, we can share with the public and start this off this year and hopefully keep growing and growing and get this into something, you know, a really big deal where we'll have everybody there and it'll be one huge event. So, you know, starting slow, starting small, but, you know, the, the dream is always big. And I think we'll definitely get there. And uh, I'm actually just happy to be considered an RB2. I consider myself either flex player or like a bench player. So you call me an RB2, but I mean, Bob, I, I'll take it. I'll take That's it. That's high praise. High praise. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, of course, uh, before we get into the actual show tonight, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring in my co-host, uh, Adam Wildey, everybody. And uh, Adam, uh, tell us first about what we're going to be talking tonight. And also, I mean, we've had a couple of episodes so far talking about a couple of different positions so i guess recap and then uh, tell everybody what we're going to be uh, talking about tonight yeah I, i'm really excited for tonight so every episode of this uh show is just fantastic because every guest brings in something different right and everybody's an expert in their own field and that's what we do here is um we try to bring in the experts in their certain fields and really pick their brains and then we want to walk away the experts well, this series has been fantastic because we've taken the same concept, which we've never done before, but then we've grabbed experts from every piece of this concept. So the overall concept is we want to do our own sort of scouting. We want to do our own analysis on these positions. And, you know, Instead of getting the uh, ESPN magazine, which is a fantastic place to start um, you know, the day before your draft, you can look at these players and you can pull these players tapes and you can pull these players production on your own and then kind of figure it out that way. So we had Matt Harmon on episode one with wide receivers. We had Mark Schofield last week with quarterbacks and now we're going through running backs with Bob Lung. So we're happy to have you, Bob. And uh, thanks. I'm really excited to jump into some of the metrics portion because we hit uh, film hard in the first two weeks. So basically, my first question for you, and you kind of mentioned how fantasy is growing. Well, is the true edge to be had in the future um, getting away from things like the typical yards per carry? And and are there other metrics that we need to pay attention to going forward? Well, I'd be remiss and unbiased if I didn't say consistency is certainly a metric that we want to be very excited <laughs> about looking. And I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's, 
you have to use the different tools out there. You know, I don't. I, I tell people all the time. I just, I just want to be the fries to the the meal. Right. You know, a- add me into it. Do your analysis. Whatever your favorite big site is, whether it's Fantasy Alarm or Yahoo or you know whoever you like, and and get get some of their stuff. Maybe get a little bit over here. Grab a little bit over there. But then grab the consistency fries and add them to the meal and then combine that data and whether you use like you said yards created yards after the catch uh or, you know whatever the case is you know whatever you think helps give you an edge it seems to help you pick the better players that's what you want to use be different you know don't just go oh well here's my cheat sheet i printed off one hour before mm-hmm. you know i always tell people they're the 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 fantasy guys that I want to try to stop from doing is the guys that buy their fantasy magazine and their beer at the same time on the way to the draft. (laughs) Those are, I mean, that's the league I want to be in with all 11 of those guys because they're the best. Um, But because of the growth of fantasy, people want to be smarter. You know, it's tougher in football because you don't have the ability to do all the magical metrics that you get out of baseball. And I get that. But there's still, you know, the consistency thing. There was consistency stuff being written when I started this concept. Tristan Cockroft's been doing this since 1999. I just wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be simple, uh, easy to understand, easy to use, um, and that the guy who's getting the magazine and the, and the beer uh, could also get one my tier draft list or my guide or you know whatever the case may be off Amazon and bring it along with him and have another extra source. That's what I'm trying to do is just kind of add into this world. I'm not trying to beat anybody out. I'm not trying to take anybody over. Uh, I, this is a hobby for me. This is not my full-time job, and I don't think it ever will be as much as I love doing it. Uh, it but, but it's a great way to, like you said, combine all those metrics uh, and look at anything that looks different, anything that can be something to give you an edge. And that's what I hope the consistency does for a lot of people. And now when we discuss advanced metrics and uh, you're referencing consistency, can you kind of just jump into what exactly we're looking at being consistent for these backs? Sure. So uh, running back PPR. Um, so on the website, my website, Big Guy Fantasy Sports, there's a uh, report called the consistency report. And you can literally go in there, enter in your own scoring method, and it'll calculate what, what's called a, a clutch factor. And right now, that that access to that tool is free on the website because uh, I, I just revamped it. It's really cool. You can actually download the results into an Excel. I love it. it got, we did a big revamp. But anyway, you go in, put it in. So if it's PPR, it's going to calculate that last year, you know, uh, if you exceeded 11.21 fantasy points per game, every time you earned over that, a player earned over that, they earned a clutch game. More clutch games, more consistent they are, the higher their consistency percentage Obviously, 100% means you're perfectly consistent. That's the best you can be. You know, so that's what you want to, to do is take your stuff. And you can even change the number of teams in a league because that makes a difference. If it's a 10-team mm-hmm. league, it's a 14-team league. Changes the factor. So by doing that, you, know, you can go out and, get, and, and pull these reports off and have them. Just, just to see how consistent players were. And if you look at that and then you're looking at last year and go, man, I missed the playoffs by two games. Oh, I had this guy, this guy, and this guy who are all under 50% consistent. Hmm. I think I know my problem. Now hmm. you change, you, you adjust for next year, and you don't pick those inconsistent players uh, that, that's, that kind of have that trend in inconsistency. Even though they'll be top 10 in points, it, that's the guys you want to stay away from. 
And I thought about that a lot today. I know this is running backs, but it's just funny. It came up earlier with Adam Thielen. How it it was. It's an interesting um, thought process that your first eight games he was extremely dominant and probably won you a lot of games. But then you went into the playoffs and he had so many down games in a row. I wonder how many people were riding his coattails into fantasy right. success and then had fantasy failure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask what that eleven point two baseline came from. So basically what the idea is, is that it's on average is calculating that factor to be what uh, a player would have to exceed in any given week to be in the top 24 running backs. So during the year, you might see there'll be, you know, 26 running backs over 11.21. There might be 21 week. There might be 32. It just depends on the week, obviously early in the year. uh, But that factor will adjust each week. So that by the end of the year, it, it kind of just levels itself out. Uh, so a guy might not earn a clutch game one week, but if the factor goes down, he might actually fall into place. It doesn't happen often. There's certainly a few guys that will float up and down one. But in the end, the idea is that, you know, that number will be what is the set spot for the year. Uh, now, early in the year, obviously, it will fluctuate pretty greatly. Uh, so the, the clutch game or the clutch factor will change quite a bit. But then it'll start trying to just level itself out. And then by the end of the year, you have, a, you have a, a pretty solid number. But it's to basically top 12 quarterbacks, top 24 running backs, top 36 wide receivers, and top 12 tight ends. So, you know, if a wide receiver um, is only 50% consistent, that means they weren't even getting over a top 36 number, not a top 12 number, top 36 number more than half the time. That's telling you that they may not have been – good enough to help your team last year and that's what you want to watch so it's not like um you know if they're 50 percent consistent that oh well they didn't get in the top 12 well yeah not everybody does especially a wide receiver that means they're not getting in the top 36 so that's that you know when you see 50 percent consistency that means a lot of weeks they weren't helping your team much at all absolutely and I'm wondering when it comes to, I guess, evaluating some of those running backs, are there any particular, I guess, index you see coming down from a metric standpoint that would help point out, okay, these are the types of running back investing in, these are the types of guys that you should be fading when it comes to either redraft, dynasty, regardless of the format, but is there anything that you see from doing that consistency work that would help point us in the right direction? Well, I think what it shows is, um, especially if you get like, so one of my best examples so far this year that I'm kind of have a man crush on is Chris Carson. Um, Chris Carson last year, you know, when you look at his overall numbers, and I think I have them here, uh, Chris Carson was 71% consistent, uh, which actually ranked him in the top 12 on it when in a spot where he's sharing with Mike Davis and Rashad Penny. But what those numbers don't show in detail is and all the games, the 11 games out of those 14 that he had double-digit touches in a game, he was 91% consistent and averaged 17.1 fantasy points a game. So that what that shows is, is that this is a guy that now this year without Mike Davis around and he only has Penny to deal with, which Penny is going to be the Mike Davis third down back anyway. Chris Carson is going to get the rock and he's going to probably get double digit touches in most games. So that tells me that this guy had the potential to be a running back one this year, as much as I hate to say it. Now I'm not drafting him as an RB one by any stretch, but the fact that I can get him in the fourth, fifth round as my RB two with the ability that he put up the numbers that he put up last year, 
tells me that that's a hell of a value there. And that's the kind of stuff that I look and I try to present in the guide because it's not always obvious looking at, you know, somebody and go, oh, well, they're 50% consistent. Now that means they're just average. Well, maybe they sucked in the first half of the year or like you were talking about Adam Thielen, he went eight for eight the first eight games and then kind of went four for eight. So at the end of the year, he's 75% consistent. Nobody can argue that Adam Thielen is a very good receiver. But what it shows is that, you know, that second half of the year, he was only 50% consistent. And so, you know, certainly you know, what happened there? What was the difference? Well, Dalvin Cook came back. They're running the ball more. So those are the kind of things that I use to kind of put the profiles together and say, yeah, this guy looked like this and this number. But over here, if you put this, you put A, B, and C together, you see that eh, maybe the potential in 2019 is much better or much worse. That's what that's what I try to do, which, you know, has no metrics, no YPCs, nothing tied to it. It is right. taking my stuff and showing, hey, here's mm-hmm. this little right. nugget. This nugget could be this big nugget. This is why I'm leaning towards drafting Chris Carson and as my RB2 in about every league I'm in. <laughs> so what type of things must a team have for you to consider them like a positive situation for a running back outside of the running back himself? Well, I mean, obviously the simple stuff of opportunities, touches, targets, you know, just being on the field and being a part of the game uh, is a big deal. Like I said, the whole Seattle thing, you know, looking at a Seattle scenario where you had three guys sharing all of this stuff and Carson was this good. Now you only have two. Uh, Another perfect example is Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, the last two years, has had consistency in the top 36 being in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys. And OJ Howard. So if he can be that consistent there, imagine what he could do now in Philadelphia with only really just, you know, Alshon Jeffries and Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz, which to me is a little bit lesser of a group. So I think Deshaun Jackson is a guy that's going undervalued because I think he can compete at a wide receiver three consistency, which he's already proven. Uh, but he's going as, you know, a wide receiver four. Uh, and could be great value as, uh, you know, a flex guy or, or something like that. So those are the kind of things, you know, just looking for changes for the better, for the worse. But, you know, it's still all about opportunity. I mean, if they're not getting on the field, they're sharing too many carries um, with somebody else and you're not expecting it. You know, we all remember the Adam Gase debacle in Miami with Kenyon Drake and and Balazs and, you know, his uh, his uncle Frank Gore and everybody else on the ball, you know, the many amazing thing is Drake still ended up in the top 24 in consistency and total points, even though it was a mess. So now, you know, Drake should be a very good value this mm-hmm. year. He's still an RB two, but he should have the ability to have even better year because he doesn't have somebody messing with him. And hopefully will allow him to get a majority of the carries, even though that team's going to stink, but he still catches the ball. Well, so I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. So that's kind of stuff that I look for. Sure, and I guess the the one situation, since we're talking about uh, the Miami situation, and then a couple of other, I guess, running backs or running back committees that we would want to invest in. Well, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and and that being the L.A. Rams situation. Uh, yeah. And we don't know what Gurley's knee is going to, how he's going to respond. Uh, Daryl Henderson being there, uh, we still got Malcolm Brown to contend with. I mean, so. I guess from a consistency standpoint, I guess what is what is your approach been to situation nineteen? Well, you know, 
I've gotten in, I've been on a number of podcasts recently and I've gotten in lots of arguments and Jim, Jim day is the guy that always is coming at me with, I would draft him in the second round every day of the week, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, okay, Jim. And that's, you know, that's your risk level that you want to take. And I think that's what everybody has to feel comfortable with right now. I don't feel comfortable drafting a Todd Gurley at based on what we saw in the playoffs. We already know is going on. Every day, it's, yep, the knee's got arthritis. You know, I, I thought it was funny that they made a big deal about the trainer said he had, and his knee has arthritis. I'm like, didn't we know this since the Super Bowl? <laughs> but um, but the point is, is that it's your risk level. And in my opinion, in the first two rounds, there should be zero risk. I, I don't want any risk. If I have a choice between Todd Gurley and Juju Smith-Schuster as my RB or as my wide receiver one, or I can take, you know, you know, for whatever the case may be. Somebody said, well, he fell into the third round in one of the FWCs. Okay, well, that's good. And, and maybe that's not bad. You know, if you have, I guess it was like 302. So, yeah, if you have Barkley or, or Zeke and you got maybe, uh, you know, uh, a top receiver, let's say Juju or, or somebody like that, at that point, if you want to take Gurley as your RB2, I guess that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also take Mike Evans and have now two really good solid wide receivers and get a Chris Carson in her fourth round. Sorry with Chris Carson love, but you know, and I know what I'm going to get out of him if he gets enough touches Gurley, I don't know. And I said to Jim, and here's my, my biggest case is arthritis doesn't get better. Mm-hmm. This is not a, Oh, if I have surgery, I'm healed. And once I heal, I'll be a hundred percent. He's never going to be 100%. He might have games. He's going to look like 100%, but then he might not play for two or three weeks. I don't want that kind of risk in the second round. That's just the way I'm going to look at it. You know, Whether it's Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, I, it could be anybody. The, the, actually, what I'm investing in the Rams right now is Jared Goff and that receiving core because I think they're going to see the ball a lot more than they did last year. And it's funny you brought that up because we were on the sh- uh, show with Jim Day and Frank and uh, Andy the other day, and um, right. we had the exact same conversation. <laughs> I had the exact same stance. Right. I, I just went through all the names that I would just rather have in the area of Gurley. Right. It's not that Gurley's not amazing, but it's just there's other players that you know could be amazing in that area. He was amazing. That's a thing. I, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, and maybe for one play he is the best running back in football but you know it's that right. it's that thing you, you got one fight left in you but it's going to be a good one right. Um, right. i i just think that you got players in this area especially with consistency you're going to see next year he's probably not going to be fairly consistent right but mm-hmm. now what about daryl henderson because i stand in a weird camp where i'm not interested in Gurley whatsoever but i'm not either super interested in Daryl Henderson. They moved up for him in the draft, but they also had signed Malcolm Brown's offer sheet. And they also have said very clearly that Malcolm Brown's the backup. Daryl Henderson is the change of pace back. I don't know why they'd be lying. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I don't either. And, and, you know, what I always try to remind people is that, believe it or not, the NFL football teams – don't care about your fantasy team. They care about winning football games. So they're going to put the best players out there in the best situation. And whether that is, you know, uh, uh, CJ Anderson last year or Malcolm Brown this year 
or they're you know they're down in a, uh, down a, uh, some points and they need a little more passing, and and you know Henderson gets involved, or you know they use two times. Whatever the case may be, the Rams are going to win football games. Uh, it's just a question of how they're going to use that offense this year to do that. I think it's going to be more in the passing game. They have three incredible receivers: Cooks, Woods, and and, and Cooper Cup coming back. Um, so I think they throw the ball more, and I think the wide receiver. I mean, the running backs to me are. I just don't want to touch any of them. I just don't feel comfortable that there's going to be any consistency out of any of them, especially when I can, uh, you know, choose other alternatives and probably have a better chance of better consistency in those. Sure. And another thing is that your only narrative for the Daryl Henderson love, which he's gotten up to the sixth round in ADP. Oh, yeah. Is that he's naturally better than Malcolm Brown. And I would probably agree. I did like Daryl Henderson on tape. But the problem with that is that Malcolm Brown was injured last year when C.J. Anderson lit up the league. The only reason C.J. Anderson was there was because Malcolm Brown was injured. So my thing is I don't like to extrapolate, so I understand it's not a great point. But if you just gave C.J. Anderson's numbers to Malcolm Brown, are we really this excited about Daryl Henderson? Because (laughs) there's a fair chance that he would have had the same numbers as C.J. Anderson had he been playing. Right. That's something people have to think about as well. But let's talk about a different committee real quick before we okay. get into the, the film. Sure. We were going to talk about the San Francisco running backs. I know this is one that Chris Rax is bringing about a lot because he likes some of these running backs. I'm a huge Matt Breda fan. Unfortunately, he's third in the pecking order right, right now. We'll see if that holds up. But what do you think about the San Francisco running back situation? I mean, I think right now, obviously, Tevin Coleman is going to be the lead back, mm-hmm. uh, at least at least first in the pecking order. I think the pecking order is the best case, the best way to describe it. Uh, why? Because Kyle Shanahan went and got him. Uh, he was Kyle Shanahan guy. Now he's you know he's going to play under him. So I think Coleman gets the majority of it. Plus, you know, right now Jared McKinnon still isn't one hundred percent. They said that he sh- quote should be ready for training camp. Uh, in my opinion, probably Breida is number two with with the injury still to McKinnon. Um, I think Coleman has every chance to lose this job and it's up to him. And if he stays healthy and plays, you know, the way he knows how to play for, with, for Kyle Shanahan, then I think it's very obvious that that's going to be the choice. Now, the question is how high do you draft him? I mean, I have him like 32nd in my rankings, which I think is fair. I think RB three is a fair spot to get him. Um, I don't think anybody's overpaying or underpaying for him. Uh, but, you know, if he stays and holds the majority of the of the touches in that that passing offense, and again, that team is going to be throwing the ball a lot. Their defense is terrible. Uh, I feel that Tevin Coleman is a pretty good choice. I I might even take him as my RB two if I went like wide receiver heavy or something early on. So I think he's you know it's a good shot. I think Breida is number two until McKinnon proves he's healthy, and at this point, he hasn't. I like to think of the San Francisco running back situation, just the San Francisco team as a whole, as the next evolution of fantasy offensive, I guess, drafting, or just how we look at fantasy production as a team, because at least from my perspective, it looks like San Francisco has a bunch of wide receivers that kind of do the same thing, except for Marquise Goodwin, who I think we've all kind of left for dead. But we also have we have Matt Breda, we have Jarek McKinnon, and we have Tevin Coleman. I mean, a lot of those guys, they kind of the, their archetype, their build, the, the way that they produce on the field, uh, the way that they play the game is fairly similar. And I think that's what Shanahan is trying to build. He's trying to build a team from both a passing and rushing perspective where regardless of the personnel that's on the field, 
you're not really tipping your hand either way. I mean, minus George Kittle whenever they move him across the field because the guy seems to be unstoppable. But regardless of who it is, whether it's McKinnon, whether it's Breda, whether it's Coleman, we're still going to be getting that fairly decent level production in a system that we know that produces fantasy points. And I think that's the way that we need to look at this, not necessarily from a personnel or who the specific person is, but just the way that the team produces. And that's kind of how we have to approach San Francisco from here from here on out. So basically, like you were saying about the 49ers is that we have something that we really haven't seen before. It's that we have redundant pieces, which you've been putting so eloquently lately, that these running backs can all just stay in. In the past, we've seen sort of like you mentioned with the New England backfield, you've had Sony Michelle being a battering ram. Now, didn't think that was going to be his role coming out of college. It was a pretty good receiver, but um, you brought him and he was used as a battering ram. And then you had Rex Burkhead come back healthy and he was kind of your um, sort of receiving work guy. But then you had James White that was strictly third down specialist. He was the guy that you brought in to get you that first down. And it's not really the case anymore. And it's starting with Kyle Shanahan. No surprise. He's an uh, innovative guy. Now you've got three to four pieces, depending on how you feel about Mostert, that are all going to do similar things. You could argue that Jared McKinnon might be a little bit better of a receiver just because that's what we've seen him do. But I think Breda did quite well in the receiving role last year. So it's very interesting. And that's going to bring us into our first piece of film and that you've got guys that can do similar things, but it, they're, they're almost spreading the, the load. They're almost getting smart and realizing that these running backs should not be getting, uh, there shouldn't be workhorses in the NFL, frankly. So, our first cut up this week, and we're not going to do it like the past two weeks where we analyzed the film um, per se on a on a play by play basis. But we're just going to look at Rashad Penny real quick. And I, I just want you to talk about a little bit of when you see something like Rashad Penny doing so well, like we're watching right now. And we know that you like Chris Carson plenty. <laughs> why? exactly has he not been given the opportunity to get the starting job in in his committee? Well, I think basically, you know, Penny came into camp last year, overweight, out of shape, um, then got injured. He just wasn't a hundred percent. I feel like the team, you know, I feel like he must've made progress in the off season or they don't let Mike Davis walk. Um, If, if they needed Mike Davis that bad, or they thought Penny wasn't going to be able to contribute at the level that they picked him at, which was first round. I think they might've kept Mike Davis and, you know, and paid him whatever money he wanted. I think by letting Davis go, now they let Penny get more involved in the offense. But I think that they know that Chris Carson is their, is their lead back. And then, you know, um, Carson's not a very good receiver. Uh, definitely not as good as Penny. So my thought is Penny gets the third down work primarily. Uh, and then we'll spell, Carson based on, you know, how, how well he's doing, if he's tired or not, uh, you know, the goal line back is probably still going to be Carson. That's where some, a lot of his touchdowns or a lot of his fantasy points are going to come from. So I think Penny's going to have a good year. I think Penny will definitely improve on his consistency and his total points and definitely be a good factor. It's just a question of how much, um, you know, a, again, if I could draft him as an RB three, kind of in the same realm of, as a Tevin Coleman, I think that's a good spot. Um, and, and that's a fair value. So, Again, I, I'm not hating on Penny this year. I just, 
I just don't think, you know, some people have a lot more love for him than I do. Plus, isn't that the only play he made all year? You go ahead. Actually, that's not that's not the one that I thought it was oh. going to be. The one where he ran for probably a hundred yards oh, is okay. the one, but it was forty yards. But he probably covered about a hundred yards. Oh, I gotcha. And so now this next player that we're going to be discussing is David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals, and his career, I guess his, his fantasy career, has been something of a mixed bag. We don't really know what to expect. Because in 2016, in this first clip that I'm pulling up where they were playing against the Redskins, he was split out wide. The way that he was supposed to be used, Bruce Arians understood how to maximize his production, and we got that. And we loved seeing him being able to run routes, split out wide, catching passes out of the backfield in a high-flying offense. But then when Mike McCoy was given the keys to the car... I mean, he completely totaled it. We were given this David Johnson that was used essentially as a battering ram coming back off of the wrist injury in 2018, and we just weren't getting the same production. We weren't getting the same, I guess, the the same highlights that we were used to seeing from a couple of years ago. So now with Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, we have the air raid offensive scheme being installed in the NFL. We're hoping to see more of some of the flashes that we saw in the early onset of 2018. But what do you think in terms of offensive production can we can really hope to see when it comes to, I guess, a running back's usage like David Johnson's? Well, anytime you've got somebody who's elusive as DJ um, and you get an offense like Air Raid where you're spreading everything out and, you know, you've got very good receiver and core with, you know, Fitz and and Kirk. Uh, They added, uh, what, Isabella. And, you know, uh, so they've got some new weapons and, you know, a better quarterback and a mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray. So I think that, you know, there's just no way for – David Johnson to not have a better year and not be more consistent. You know, his year last year, was it horrible? It was horrible based on the fact you probably drafted him in the first four picks, but you know, I kind of said he was like Todd Gurley a couple of years ago where Gurley was, had all this hype and then he kind of dropped off. And then, then that year, you know, he was drafted in the second round and then became the number one running back. I'm not <laughs> sure DJ gets back to number one running back, but his and his ADP has certainly skyrocketed back up. He's now going in the middle of the first round again, which is where I expect him to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair value. But, you know, this offense is going to run a lot of plays. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to get DJ in the open field, and that's where he's going to excel. Uh, running him up the middle is the dumbest thing you can do with him. That is not his job. That is not what he's built for. He's built for getting outside, getting in space, and making people miss, and that's what he's going to do this year. And one that is more familiar with college and specifically air raid offense might even argue that he's in a better offense to produce this year than he was when he was one of the best running backs in the history of the NFL in terms of fantasy. He had over 400 points that year. So he's going to get utilized a lot. Like the next guy that we're going to talk about, which is James White. And this guy I've been really excited to talk to you about because he's been fairly consistent and every year he gets devalued and every year he continues to produce. And it's made me think a lot lately. Is there other guys that we can identify that are like James White, where he's one of the most essential pieces to the Patriots offense, but he is almost like an ancillary piece. It's very strange, but he always seems to be in the right place at the right time as demonstrated in this video that we're watching where Tom Brady gets through his reads so quickly, 
that he knows James White's going to be open. Right. Is there anything about James White that kind of stands out to you as to why he's been so consistent for so long? Well, here's the thing. He hasn't been that consistent for so long. Uh, Last year was an anomaly. 17 and 16, he was only 43% consistent and 44% consistent. That's less than half the games. The problem with the, the great thing about James White is from a football standpoint, he's what helps that Patriots offense be unique and be different. And you can't just rely on one or the other. You can't focus on Edelman. You can't focus on White. You can't focus on, but James White does that when James White needs to do that. You know, like in the Super Bowl two years ago or in this game here where, you know, um, I guess it was an early in the game. Uh, but, you know, Patriots obviously came out firing and had James White in the backfield and drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if the rest of that game, James White didn't have five touches the rest of the game. Because if they get it to a big lead, they don't need James White. And that's the problem is the offense is, you know, that offense runs on what are we doing in this game? If we're dominating the game, we're not putting James White in. We're saving him till next week when we might get behind in the game. Last year was such an anomaly because of the fact that there was nothing but James White there at the beginning of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Sonny Michelle was injured. Rex Burkhead was, you know, Rex Burkhead. Uh, <laughs> and so they really didn't have much else other than James White to, to run the ball and catch the ball. So he started off on fire again. He started off with nine straight clutch games last year. So he was a nine for nine, 100% perfectly consistent from week 10 on after Sony Michelle got healthy and and the offense started to get back into the flow again. He, he went three, four, seven. So yeah, three for seven. So that shows you the difference between James White's first half and second half. Then look at the, Mm -hmm. the playoffs in the Super Bowl. You barely saw James White. Why? Because Sonny Michelle was running rampant. Um, that's why I'm still surprised that people think that James White is going to have a big impact and still be fantasy relevant, uh, consistently fantasy relevant is the key, in 2019. Because I feel like, well, they went right through the playoffs and won a Super Bowl with Sonny Michelle being the batting ram, getting 100 yards per game, rushing for two touchdowns, and their defense did a pretty good job of holding the other team at bay. Well, why would they do that again in 2019 to keep that rolling if that worked? Now, you're going to have games where the offense is going to be a little bit better. They won't play the Jets every week or mm-hmm. the Dolphins. But my thought is like those games against Jets, Dolphins, any team that's bad, maybe the Bills um, that has a bad offense on the other side that's not going to put up points, that's going to be Sony Michelle weeks. The weeks they're going to play maybe Pittsburgh or, you know, a, a higher offensive team, um, you know, then they're going to need James White probably get a little bit more involved. But to count on it and to have any consistency in that at all is, is I think, silly to think that James White is going to be top 10 in fantasy points and consistency again when just the year before he was 38 and 35th. That's, I just can't, can't grasp that and go, yes, I guarantee this is going to work. Now, Sonny Michelle gets hurt in preseason, Rex Burkett gets hurt. Okay, <laughs> sign me up. Get every James White share I can get. But I just don't see it happening again like that because it was such a unique scenario to that year last year. And so, uh, you know, in, in Shark Tank uh, scenario, I'm out. See, and I love this analysis right here because I think that it's kind of ridiculous to think that James White was going to be able to sustain that many number one RB1 weeks as he did last season. And it's pushed his ADP up until the third, fourth round now. And I just can't get on board with that. 
and see, I came into that question thinking that um, I even posed it kind of thinking that you were going to be a James White fan and tell me how great and consistent he's been. And then you think about it because I've never came around on James White and I've yeah. felt dumb, dumb for it a few times. Well, so here's what is unique in the past. Almost every profile I'd write every year about James White is you can get James White as your RB four or five. Mm-hmm. You might as well grab him. Because there's going to be some weeks when you have a bye and you see the Patriots are going to play some high-powered offense that they're going to need James White. And you can pretty much rely on the fact that he's going to do well. In fact, if you look in the consistency guide, his home away split is 79% consistent at home, 44% on the road. Mm. So that tells you that if he's, if he's playing at home, playing against a high-powered offense, in fact, in the uh, where they're playing a – where he was playing at home against a top 10 defense. That means that defense is ranked in the top 10 in points given up. He was a perfect five for five and he averaged 17 points a game. Why? Because that's Tom Brady's secret weapon against a good defense is to keep them honest. They, he will use James White all over the field. So you know, from a DFS standpoint, James White's your guy. Pick those games where you see he, he excels. You could do some really good damage in a DFS. Year-long fantasy, I'm not feeling it, man. Sorry. And now maybe going back to San Francisco's offense, and they're going to have to figure out a way to use all those backs. I'm just thinking about other backs in the league who we could find value later in the previous James White rounds. Because right. as you said, there's people that – there's going to be at least one of 12 people in your league convinced that James White is going to do right. something similar again. So right. you don't get to <clears throat> – the late round James White anymore, but right. maybe well, but I got one for you. I got one for you. Jalen Richard in Oakland. Okay. I mean, because last year he was top 25 in consistency in a PPR format. Um, their team is always going to be losing. Yes. They have Antonio Brown, but guess what? Antonio Brown stretching the field gives Richard or Jalen Richard more underneath spots to, to dump off when cars, you know, the rush is too much on car. Um, and I think Jalen Richard will continue to be, you know, a top 25 back in the PPR format. And what is he going? Rounds 11, 12? Mm-hmm. I mean, his ADP has got to be somewhere ridiculously high. Uh, let me see. I have it here. Uh, Jalen Richard is as, oh, geez. Uh, I don't even know if he's in here. He, well, he he's not in the top 62 that I see. I wouldn't be surprised if he was yeah. past the 15th, 16th so round. To be there's, there's, a, there's a perfect late round PPR best ball format guy. Grab him, stash him, and and when you need him, pull him out in those games when you know the Raiders are going to be losing, like when they play Kansas City or San Diego or or San Diego, mm-hmm. LA Rough Chargers. <laughs> that's and that's interesting because this takes us full circle why we're looking at your consistency guide and not just the ESPN rankings or, and just to add as somebody who has ranked before, it gets so, so difficult to rank guys past the top 100, 100, let's say like 150. It's very difficult. So what, what ends up happening when you take the ESPN guide or whatever everybody's using that you're just using verbatim without any of your own analysis you're going to get into the later rounds and you're just going to take the best available guy on that list. That doesn't mean that they fit your team. That doesn't mean that they fit a narrative. So when you get into later rounds, that's when you ask your questions. Like I just asked you with, okay, James White isn't affordable anymore. Time to adapt. 
who's right. his wife for their team? And you know what? The name that I would love to say right now, if mm-hmm. there weren't real NFL drama around it, is Duke Johnson. Right. I would love for Duke Johnson <clears throat> to be the next James White story. Well, if he goes to another team, he certainly has that possibility. And it wouldn't surprise me if for he sure. gets traded during the offseason, you know, maybe during training camp. If somebody loses, let's say the Raiders lose a Jalen Richard, I can see Duke sure. Johnson be a perfect fit to go to Oakland. Browns trade him off, get a draft pick, boom, there you go. And all of a sudden, Duke Johnson has value. But you're right. Right now, he doesn't because the Browns are, you know, pretty much loaded. Um, and by week eight, and when Kareem Hunt shows up, then he definitely will be even less needed. But, I mean, they still may use him in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly could have some value, but there's just so many weapons there. I you know Duke Johnson could have eight catches one week and then have zero the next three. I mean, it just could easily happen. And I looked into the Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson splits a little bit. And Frank from FF Champs after dark, uh, we talked back and forth and it wasn't great. It it wasn't a lot different when Freddie Kitchens came in. So it's not much to be excited about. I really hoped when we dug into the splits that we were going to see that Freddie Kitchens, Gina just targeted the heck out of Duke, but it really didn't change much. You really need him to go somewhere else. All right. So Bob, that's, our show, man. We really appreciate you coming on and meeting Thank with you. us, and we can't wait to meet you at the expo that you've put together. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I got to get that ticket before it's all <laughs> booked up. But before we get you out of here, man, is is there anything more about the consistency better, guide man. that you want to put out there? Yeah. Phone? I'd love to. So basically, uh, for those of you who are now learning about the uh, 2019 Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, uh, there's basically two ways to get it. If you're a hard copy, you got to hold it in your hand kind of person, go to Amazon.com, just type in 2019 Consistency. You don't even have to put Fantasy Football. It pops right up. Uh, in fact, somebody did a test. If you type in 2019 C-O-N-S-I, it automatically pops up. That's how close it is. It doesn't even need fantasy football. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, somebody did it for me. Um, go there, get the, get the guide, have it shipped to you. Start reading through it. Learn it. Love it. Breathe it. Um, at that point, the best thing to do is then at the bottom of the pages of the book is a coupon code. That you take to Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Go in, upgrade to the VIP, all season, everything access, all the way through the end of the year for only 10 bucks. So basically, you're still spending 20 bucks. You get everything there. The guide gets updated. The tier draft gets updated. The tier draft list gets updated. You know, you can go in there, put in your uh, scoring method for your leagues, you know, uh, download the reports into Excel, use them to compare with the other projections to see the consistency matches up with the projections of the people. That's the best way to get all of the consistency in in one nice little basket. Um, And then, of course, as you mentioned, the Expo is coming up Sunday, August 18th. If you live anywhere near Canton, Ohio, even if you don't, fly in for it, drive in for it. Um, Here, I got a great idea. Come in Saturday, visit the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Then Sunday, come over to the Expo, and you've got the best football weekend ever. Um, In fact, some guy said he couldn't make it because it was his bachelor party weekend. I said, I can't think of a better bachelor party. Uh, we, we have strip clubs. Come on, guys, let's go. Um, fantasy football, strip clubs, alcohol, and, and then a fantasy football. Expo. It'd be fantastic. Uh, but anyway, so Canton, Ohio, make sure you get in for that. Go to MidwestFFExpo.com. Buy your tickets there. Use the code BIGGUY, and that'll save you five bucks on your admission. Uh, so thank you again, guys, for having me. It's been a great time. Love talking. Great analysis. Uh, really excited to meet, uh, meet both of you in person come August. 
And Bob, if anybody isn't already following you on Twitter, where can they find you? Right. At Bob underscore long. And I only have, I don't even have 4,500 followers. So, oh man, I don't have a lot. I don't get a lot of love. I donate my followers to you. They don't (laughs) need to listen to me. And I'm I'm loving this host seat, man. So you might not get it back, but do you have anything else for the listeners? No, man. I think we've done a heck of a job tonight. And so I guess for. Adam for Bob. I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. And we thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you folks next week. When it hits you, feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.